Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB. Make sure that we are your first listen every day. Lockdown Women's Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. It's February. You may have given up on your New Year's resolutions, but I haven't. Thanks to Built Bar. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, including the puffs. 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They taste delicious. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your order at Built.com. And remember... Tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. Well, I want to share with you a great conversation we had with Lynn Dunn today. Just a point of personal privilege. Seeing Lynn Dunn back in the lead, it matters a lot. And you'll see this and hear it right in the initial conversation point where she talks about working with and reminiscing with Marianne Stanley, the head coach of the Indiana Fever. I don't mean to get sentimental about it, but these are the people who helped build women's basketball as we know it. There'll be others who come, and there have been, but there won't ever be anyone else who's first. Lynn Dunn was a coach at Austin P. in 1970. Her coaching career predates Title IX. Lynn Dunn was in the ABL with the Portland Power. She was an ABL Coach of the Year, the final ABL Coach of the Year, as a matter of fact. She was coach and GM of the Seattle Storm. She's done everything in this league, in women's basketball as a whole. She's won gold medals. She's won WNBA titles. And so she's back. And she's going to help build the fever. And she had this catchphrase she kept going back to, 2, 7, and 10. She'd been a special assistant at University of Kentucky. She has seen these players up close, so I asked her about it, and you'll want to hear her answer. But you don't want to hear the answer to whatever Lynn Dunn has to say. You will learn a lot about basketball every time you talk to Lynn Dunn. I sure do. Now, will she succeed? That's hard. This is a challenging league. There are 10 teams, you could argue, who are going for it now. There are only eight playoff spots to even get into the postseason. So that is a challenge. But that is a roster with Kelsey Mitchell, signed through 2024. Some good vets. Gentel Lavender, Danielle Robinson, friend of the show. And some pieces they're going to have to figure out around them. You know, she was blunt. She was upfront about what's gone wrong, what needs to change, how to get better. Fever of fascinating is to be. But I'll tell you this much. 
At times, it has been hard to know what the plan is in Indiana over the past few years. No disrespect to Tamita Tatchins. She keeps it close to the vest. Lindon will tell you what she's going to do, and then she'll go do it. That's what she does. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to a conversation with Lindon. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did, as much as I always do. I'm Howard Megdahl, and you're listening to Locked on Women's Basketball. When Rick reached out to me, I just, I couldn't say no. And uh, I want to wish Tamika Catchings the best. I love her to death. I've been around her, gosh, since 2003, a long time. I'm, I'm here to help her and support her and anything she needs as she decides to take this break. She doesn't have to worry about me. I'm right here to help her. Uh, I love the fever. I've always loved the fever. I loved it when I was a scout. I loved it when I was an assistant coach. I loved it when I was the head coach. And so to have the opportunity to come back and get this uh, program, this franchise back on track, uh, I love it. I love the opportunity to do that. Even though I retired in 2014 uh, after winning that championship in 2012, and I wish I'd known I'd, I'd worn my ring so y'all could look at a championship ring again. <laughs> I know some of you people in this room have one, and I was thrilled that I was able to give you one. You got one, don't you, Kelly? Yeah, I know Rick's got one. Uh, but I, I, um, after I retired, I, I started coaching coaches and, and, but I didn't, I didn't go far away from the people. I kept an eye on Nika and I kept an eye on Pokey and I kept an eye on Mary and I kept an eye on the team and I knew what was going on. And so when this opportunity came along, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and see if I can help him. And so I'm thrilled to be here. I love a challenge. Uh, I, when I took the job way, way, way back, you know, one of the things I talked about was building a, a championship franchise. And so today what I want to talk about is improvement. That's what we're going to do this year. We're going to improve. We're going to get better. Um, when you say, well, what are your goals, coach? Get better. Well, what are your goals, coach? We're going to improve. And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're moving forward. We, we did a really good job in free agency, and I want to give Tamika credit for that. We, we re-signed some players we need to re-sign. Uh, we made a, a really good draft. Uh, I made a really good trade for Bria Hartley. Got some more draft picks. Uh, the, the draft is coming up in the spring. I'm optimistic about it. And so as we move forward and we're focused on improving, uh, my motto is going to be two, seven, and ten. We've got two, seven, and ten first round draft picks. And so our challenge is to use those three picks, uh, the best way possible. And so that at the end of the draft, we're, we are significantly better. We've made improvement, and we're moving forward. And I'm also happy to, and excited to work with Marianne Stanley, one of the outstanding coaches. She's a Naismith Hall of Fame uh, finalist. Her assistant coaches, Carlos, Jared, Dickie Hall, great people. So I think we're, we're putting together the things that we need to do to improve. And so I'm happy to be here today and pretty much ask me anything you want to. If I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. All right. Thank you, Len. Uh, for those asking questions, if you all wouldn't mind uh, stating your name and your media outlet for your first questions uh, in the media room, if you'd like to raise your hand, we'll get a mic around to you. Um, I think we'll start on Zoom. Howard Megdal, would you like to start us off? I would love that. Thank you. And Lynn, it's great to chat with you always. Uh, Howard Megdal with the next. My, my question, I, I've got two if I could. Um, and the first one is just, 
you talked about two, seven, and ten being your motto. You seem uniquely situated to be able to uh, attack this draft. Uh, you know, given the work you've done recently on the college side as well, um, did that play a part uh, for you? As you know, knowing that you could come in here and uh, potentially be able to shape this Fever team with you know players you are intimately familiar with. Is that question number one? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, well, Howard, you know, I, I was a good coach. I always thought I was a really good coach, but I'm a great evaluator of talent. And so I feel like my ability after 50 years of evaluating college talent is really a plus for where we are right now. Hmm. I think I can evaluate the talent to 7, 10, and, and these players in this draft will have an impact on our team. There's not any doubt about that. So the experiences that I've had um, over the last 50 years, and I started in this business in 1970, that's 52 years, isn't it? 52 years, <laughs> uh, I think it's really going to help me. The other part of that directly ties to your experience, which is to say you've seen teams at every part of the success cycle. What is a reasonable goal for the success cycle of this team, if championship is the goal, uh, you know, how long a time do you think it'll take to get there? Well, that's a really good question, Howard. And, and I, I, you know, I wish I could give you a specific answer. As I said, our goal right now is to get better and to improve. And I think if we do the right things in this draft, um, if our players, um, core players that are overseas now come back better, uh, then we have a situation where we will improve. And if we improve in the right form, then I think we will, then anything's possible. You know, I don't want to say, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. No, we're going to get better. And if we get enough improvement, then maybe we'll challenge for the playoffs. But I don't want to put any pressure on anybody right now. We're going to get better. <laughs> we're going to improve. And then we're going to see what's going to happen. Great to see you, Lynn. Thank you. So thank you for coming today. We'll go to Michelle Vopel. Yeah, Lynn, um, I was wondering if you could maybe address what you think this team's identity can be. I, I, I think that's been a little bit in flux the last couple of years. And when you were coaching, it was a defense first mentality. You had, you know, such strong defensive players led by Tamika. Do you think you can, you know, sort of see what this team's identity is going to be in terms of how you want to draft, if you will? That's another great question, uh, Michelle, and thank you for joining us today. Um, I I do think there have there's been a little bit of lack of real identity, like who are we and how do we want to play uh, on both ends of the floor. And, and I can tell you this: we will defend. We will defend because when you defend, you win. And so we will establish that from day one of training camp. There's not any doubt about that. I've already met with the coaches. I've already talked to them about how much time will be allotted in training camp for defense. And so I think the message is clear now is we will build from our defense. But at the same time, we were able to win in championship because we wanted the best three-point shooting teams uh, in the WNBA. A lot of people forget that. They know how tough our defense was, but they forget how great our three-point shooters were. Aaron Phillips, Katie Douglas, Brian January, Jeanette Poland off the bench. And so I'm looking for people that will defend, that can score, and that can hit threes. And just in terms of this class, we don't really know 
who all is going to, to be in this class, yeah, this draft class, is there still going to be some kids who have to decide how strong in general, though, do you think this class will be? Well, today it's a very strong draft class. Now, some of these players uh, that are that are considered first round draft picks start saying, "I'm going back for another." What is it called? Senior, senior, or double senior, or I don't know what it is. But they get the fifth or sixth year. I know there's a player at Indiana. This this is her like her seventh year or eighth year. So if they decide to go back, it adversely affects the strength of the draft. But I still think there's a, a lot of talent, especially at Two, seven, and ten. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, any questions in the room? Go <clears throat> front there for Tony. Hey, Lynn, you mentioned Hi, Tony. Being... Hi. Tony, could you introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Hi, Tony, he's here with the next as well as Howard. Uh, you mentioned being connected with this franchise and being close by after stepping away with Kentucky. What does it mean to you specifically to come back to a team where you've won a championship and been to the finals before? Does it mean more than you were somewhere else with another franchise. Hmm. I wouldn't go back to another franchise. You know, th- this would be the only place that I would consider uh, coming out of retirement. You know, uh, I've retired several times. It's a lot, kind of like Cher. But this is my final, <laughs> the final, final. So, uh, I would not have considered working uh, in any capacity. Uh, knock on wood. That would just wasn't on my radar that I would work for uh, any other WNBA team many hats and doing many jobs throughout your basketball career, but you call yourself a talent evaluator. You were the team of the storm a long time ago. How much of those experiences do you think will they help you in this role? With the uh, yes, that's a, that's a really good question, Tony, because I, I've been blessed with mentors that helped me with drafting, with free agency, uh, with talent evaluation. I, when I go all the way back to the Portland Power and, and when I was in Portland and then, then my time in Seattle with Wally Walker and, and during that period of time, Nate McMillan was actually there. And then, you know, I'm a, uh, Hubie Brown's one of my mentors, Jack Ramsey was. And so I picked their brains about how to build a team. Um, and so I think, you know, when we drafted Lauren Jackson and <clears throat> Sue Bird and Camilla Vidichkova, you know, we laid the foundation for a championship team. So I've had good mentors all along that taught me. Uh, how to evaluate talent, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Can we go right in front here? Hey, Lynn Ross Boland, Channel Eight. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. One, you said you always kept an eye on the team from afar. Did you ever think you would be sitting here today, be be back with this franchise? And two, when the phone rang, how long did you have to think about it? The answer to the first question is never. I, I never just never expected to be back. You know, I, I loved what I've been doing. I, I loved being a, a coach for coaches and coaches work with college and pro coaches. Uh, when the phone rang and I realized what was happening, uh, I was stunned. You know, I was I had no idea that Tamika decided to take a break. Um, that she, you know, that she was moving away from this position. And then when Rick reached out to me and said, look, here, we got an idea. You know, when Rick says we got an idea, it's hard not to jump on board. And, uh, and so I thought, well, can I have an hour to think about it? And he said, I'll give you 30 minutes. And so I did. And, uh, you know, we started talking about what we might be able to do and move forward. And, and, and it intrigued me and I jumped on board. Thanks, uh, Howard, to go back to you for another one. 
Thank you. Lynn, when you look at the uh, contracts you have on the books, you, you got Kelsey Mitchell signed through 2024. You know, obviously a couple of vets signed next year, but it really seems like it's set up as Kelsey is the centerpiece of this franchise. Is that how you see it? I don't think there's any doubt that at this particular time, Kelsey is is the centerpiece uh, of this franchise and has been for the last couple of years. Her ability to score, um, her ability to score at the rim, her ability to score mid-range, her ability to hit threes, the fact that she just came from being a part of the national team, the USA national team, no doubt she is a central part as we build forward this team. You're, and the, you're right on the money. And so related to that, when we look at 2-7-10, to go back to your theme up top, are you looking at players not just to fit with some larger framework, but specifically those who work best with Kelsey? If so, what does that mean? What do you need for players to work best with Kelsey Mitchell? Well, of course, I'm thinking about players that will not only, you know, make our team better, but that will fit well with Kelsey. But I'm also looking at the best players available. You know, when, when you draft in the first round, you're looking at who are the best players available. You know, by the time we get to 10, I may say, okay, what do we need now? I've taken a great player at two. I've taken a great player at seven. And we're excited about that. And then I'll look there and say, okay, we're going to take the, the next best player or do we need a power forward or do we need a backup point guard? So I think I have a plan what we're going to do with two, seven and 10. Appreciate it. Thank you, Howard. Uh, Michelle, another one for you. Um, I guess, Lynn, I, I'm wondering, you talked about this being sort of the, the final, final thing <laughs> because you've retired before, but what is it about, is this just your love of basketball? I know you just talked about, obviously, when people you've worked with before call um, and you love this franchise, but, you know, the fact that you still have this energy to, to do this, um, what, what do you sort of attribute that to? I love the game of basketball. You know, I love the strategies. I love the challenge of building a team. Um, I, I don't really have that urge to coach anymore. When I walked away in 2014, that was it. I wanted to, I wanted to continue coaching, but I wanted to give back in a different way by coaching coaches. Um, and so I've worked since 14 with, with college and pro coaches, head and assistant at becoming better coaches. And I love doing that. Um, uh, but, but I just love the game. I love to watch film. I'm a filmaholic. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I gave up alcohol and picked up film. So, uh, you know, I love to watch the games. I watch the men's games. I watch pro, college. Uh, I, I just enjoy the game and the strategies. And I enjoy helping coaches be better. And just the fact, I mean, obviously, I bet you and Marianne have known each other for such a long time. Um, what are some of the conversations the two of you have had about your vision for the team? Well, I will say this. The first time we got back together, we reminisced over the four overtime game that we played in the WNBA. And by the time she won in the fourth overtime, I, w- I had no starters on the floor. And so that was my excuse for losing. So we laughed about that. And then we then we just talked about um, how much we both love this game and how much we want the Fever to be successful. And I think Marianne is all in. She's all into this, this, this franchise being uh, successful. Um, we've got such great support here. I mean, one of the key things to be, to be successful is support. And we've got great support up at the top. We've got tremendous facilities. 
you know, we're in the third year of this renovation. And my gosh, when I got back and saw this facility, I was like, oh, my goodness, it's gorgeous. And so if we can be just a little bit more patient with having to play at other facilities till we finish, it's going to be wonderful. And so this time next year, we're talking about being back in Gainbridge. Um, and that's kind of hard for me. I mean, to me, it was Conseco and then it was Bankers and now it's Gainbridge. But I'm all in for Gainbridge. Um, so so I, I think we have all of the, the resources to be successful. We've just got to get some more talent. Thank you. Go right in front here again. Matthew Van Tryon with the Indy Star. You know, the Fever had the third overall pick in the 2020 draft, uh, the fourth overall pick last year, and, and neither of them are with the team anymore. Number one, does that have any sort of negative effect on the team as it's currently constructed? And number two, how do you – what do you have to do to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, first of all, does the fact that our last two draft picks not on the team matter? Yeah, it matters because we missed out on some talent. So, yes, it affects adversely affects us. Um, but that's in the past. I can't fix that. Hmm. You know, all I can do is make sure we don't make any mistakes moving forward, that we're very astute in who we draft and why we draft them, and that, that they fit what we want to do, that they fit our vision, that we're going to defend, we're going to run, we're going to rebound, and we're going to hit three-point shots. Um so that's all I can do is make sure that I do the best job possible with two, seven, and ten. Anybody else have anything for when? No? Okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us this afternoon. Lynn, welcome back to Indianapolis as the interim general manager and senior advisor for basketball operations. We're glad to have you here.